The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for this show is brought to you by Tarcher Peregrine, publisher of Life Lessons, the new book of affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. Buy Life Lessons wherever books are sold. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Dan Millman. Dan's a former world champion gymnast, coach, martial arts teacher, and college professor. He's the author of 17 books published in 29 languages, all of which he reads fluently, I'm certain. (laughs) No, Dan? No? Sure. Sure. Okay, go along. Just just go with it. Just go with it. Yes. his classic work is Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and it was adapted uh, to film in 2006. His newest book is The Hidden School, Return of the Peaceful Warrior. Almatasi's interview with Dan appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Dan Millman, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thanks. Thanks, Rami. I'm glad to be here. Of course. Well, I'm I'm happy to have you because I'm uh I'm a fan of the work. I'm interested in you know the I read the the prior books, uh, in the Peaceful Warrior series. I have a copy of the DVD, so I will be very careful not to go into the woods with this conversation because I'm sure most of the people listening have not seen uh, the movie or read the other books necessarily. So let's actually start with that. You first introduced this idea. Uh, of the peaceful warrior at least a decade more than a decade ago so maybe we need a quick refresher can you reintroduce us to the idea but also to socrates and joy sure and also it was 37 years ago that my first book came out um and i the characters uh, socrates and joy um the the primary one that most most people have remarked about is a man uh, i met in a service station an actual flesh and blood old cosmic old guy in 1966 in an old Texaco station near the UC Berkeley campus in California. He, he, it was, I was, it was after a late night date about three in the morning. And at another time I might not have walked into the station. I was on my way home, but I met him. He would not tell me his real name, but he reminded me of the old Greek sage. So I started calling him Socrates. Um, and he was played by Nick Nolte in, in the movie version of the book. Um, so, and Joy, well, Joy was a female character, in a sense, my, my love interest. Uh, Joy and I have been married uh, for 
43 years now. Um, all this happened a long time ago. The, as I said, the book came out 37 years ago and it still seems to be going strong. Who would have known? I happened to write a book that seemed to resonate with many people offering some kind of perspective on their lives and the possibilities, uh, a call to the transcendent, if you will. And it's kind of a bridge or a trend, uh, um, a path, not only in the woods, as you mentioned, but up the mountain path. So, the story seems to have captivated people. It is um, autobiographical. It's about my life, but it also has fictional elements woven in. So it doesn't neatly fit into any genre. It's not exactly a memoir because memoir can't contain any fiction. Uh, it's a semi-autobiographical or semi-fictional autobiographical novel. And I've written several other books like The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, including my most recent one, The Hidden School, which is actually part of that original story. Right, right. It picks up uh, where the, the second book ends off, right? You're leaving Hawaii. But, but let me just pick up on something. You know, you mentioned that Socrates is an actual flesh and blood guy. I'm mm -hmm. assuming since you've been married to her for decades, Joy is a flesh and blood woman. Uh, but the Socrates character, I think it's important that people really get this because I think sometimes there's a conflation, if that's the right word, between your work and uh, Carlos Castaneda, you know, where where his um, Mexican spiritual guide Don Juan, the the Yaqui um, shaman, uh, we're not people are, are very skeptical whether he ever existed and whether any of these things that uh, Castaneda was Castaneda was talking about actually happened, but. In your case, while there are fictional elements, this is, like you said, really autobiographical. These are real people. You're going through real experiences for the most part. For the most part, yes. Uh, much of the first book uh, actually happened to me. Um, but as I said, for the sake of story and the teachings, um, I, I often cite a quote by uh, Pablo Picasso, who said, art is a lie that helps us to see the truth. Uh, and I came across that quote long after I wrote the book, but that, that speaks to it a bit. Um, you know, Castaneda's work, I, I did read his first three books way back in the 60s, early 70s. He was an evocative writer. I don't believe uh, that, that the story he wrote was true. I think he had considerable fiction, but he did research. He got his PhD uh, in anthropology at UCLA uh, years ago. I, I bumped into him once, a charming man, um, when nobody knew what he looked like or anything, a lot of mysterious surra mystery surrounding his book um, or early books. Uh, he was really, I think, an excellent writer, um, but I don't particularly be believe that. And I've never tried to deceive anyone. There's enough illusions in the new age and magical thinking to tell people things are true um, that are not. So again, it is the story is a blend, Sacred Journey, my second book, which again, both Sacred Journey and The Hidden School take place within the time frame of the first book. Actually, they're stuck inside the book. They go into more detail about the travels I just quickly referred to in the original story. So it really completes the story. And The Hidden School is an adventure across the world, as you know, um, which helps to explain what prepared me. Uh, for the, the death, rebirth, and awakening that I experienced and describe at the end of my first book. People can read The Hidden School, the new one, on, on its own, just as a good adventure story with some humor and uh, some substance, I hope. But those who read Way of the Peaceful Warrior really start to understand uh, where it fits in and how. So let me, let me just push back a little bit, because I don't want 
I really want people to get the, the, the to understand that, yeah, it's a great adventure story. It is a great read, but there's more than a little substance here. I mean, there, there are, there are important teachings. Can you, I mean, you know, it's a short conversation that we've got. Can you pick out the ones that you think are the most essential that, that people really need to grasp? Yes. And I'm happy to share that. I don't say, oh, go read the book to find out because I believe people would need to read it at least once, maybe twice, three times to actually absorb, even though I describe it clearly as you've read, um, because it is some genuinely new material. And Socrates once gave me a business card, um, his business card, and it was sort of a humorous. Uh, and it said, um, Peaceful Warrior Inc., um, Socrates, proprietor, uh, uh, specializing in paradox, humor, and change. And they made a little deal with that in, in the Peaceful Warrior movie as well, those three words. And of course, I could speak to uh, humor and change, cosmic humor, and the idea of a life skill, learning to deal with the inevitable changes of life. But the focus I'd like to present here is the word paradox. Many people don't really look up the word or understand it, but it's simply two apparently opposing statements that are both true. And people go, how can that be? Um, and the way I would put it, um, the way it, can, the way it is, is true is that Dickens uh, starts his story, The Tale of Two Cities, with the words, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. How could both of those be true? Well, we could say the same about the times today. In any country, anyone debating could argue both sides of that question. Um, and that's how paradox works. There, there's a wonderful story about a, um, um, a Sufi sage named Mullah Nasruddin who came upon two men uh, shaking their fists at each other uh, in the marketplace with opposing ideas. And Nasruddin came upon them and said, wait a minute, let, let me resolve this. He, and he asked the first man, tell me your side of the story. And the man said his side, his opinions, and Nasruddin said, well, clearly you're right. And the other man said, wait, you haven't heard my side yet. So he told his side of the story. And Nasruddin said, oh, I'd have to say you're right. And a bystander said, Mullah, they can't both be right. And he scratched his head and said, you know what? You're right. So th that's the paradox. That's, that's paradox. Um, and I use this model. I would call it a theory or model of paradox to help people understand how, well, I, I guess I could put it this way. Um, does time exist? Yes. Is time an illusion? Yes. Do we have free will? Yes. Is free will an illusion? Yes. Are we each a separate self? Yes. Are we all one? Yes. Does death exist? Yes. Is death an illusion? Yes. Now, how can both these statements be true? Well, um, if we understand that we live in two worlds, each of us, you and I and every listener, um, most of the time, maybe 99% of the time, most of us live in the conventional world. We don't contemplate these kinds of questions in our day-to-day -day lives. Our attention is focused on our relationships, health, financial stability, education, you know, children, career. But at the same time, understanding paradox provides a foundation for all the pursuits of everyday life. And it, I think it leads to wisdom and ease and, and reduced stress uh, due to an expanded perspective on the changing currents 
of everyday life. It's a foundation of our lives and everything so, we do. So let me let me ask you this. It sounds like if I'm hearing this right, and and Buddhists talk about the relative and the and the absolute dimensions of things, and so I, th I think I'm, I'm following what you're saying, but I'm I'm interested in this notion that. <clears throat> you know, it can enhance our lives to understand this. So what I'm hearing is, and this is my own position, I guess, is that the more you can, I don't know if you want to say rest in or dip into that, that uh, absolutist, the absolute dimension where there is no time, where there is no me, where there is no death, it allows me to deal with the experiences I have in the relative world where there is me and there is time and there is death more effectively because I'm not clinging to them. Is that fair? Is that what you're talking about? I think that's well articulated. Um, there was a movie called The Terminator. Uh, you may remember that, an old classic. And at the beginning, a, a woman named Sarah Connor is a, a harried waitress and she's running to one table. They're yelling at her, where's my coffee? It's getting cold. And then she brings the wrong order to someone else. And just then a little boy takes a big scoop of ice cream and drops it in the pocket of her apron. And her friend, another waitress, comes up to her and whispers in her ear, in a hundred years, who's going to care? Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. And that, in a way, it's, is what I mean by this big perspective. Because I said most of us spend our time in conventional reality, as we need to, dealing with the things of everyday life. But that absolute, as you call it, or transcendent reality is where different truths operate. So I, I'm not making an argument in the book, there is no free will, it's an illusion. There are many philosophers who make that argument in very sophisticated ways. I'm saying both are true. There is free will and there isn't depending upon our viewpoint. Um, and one analogy I use is it is true that a spider is a bloodthirsty, vicious, merciless killer from the viewpoint of a tiny insect caught in its web. But from my viewpoint, perhaps yours, 99% of spiders on the planet are relatively harmless to human beings. So they're timid, fragile web spinners, not merciless killers. So again, both of those statements are true depending on what our viewpoint is. And that's, that's I think, important to understand. It's an advanced teaching. It is the most advanced teaching I've brought of all, you know, I've talked about the present moment, the importance of living in it. What does it mean? How do you live in the present? And so on. That's a central uh, point in Way of the Peaceful Warrior, again, written 37 years ago. And other books have addressed this, of course, as well. And there are other practical lessons. But this is an advanced teaching. And the way I would put it is if we go into a bookstore, remember bookstores <laughs> before everything was online, and walk in and just kind of go into a reverie state and, and wander the shelves looking at books. Some books we pass by because we've been there and done that. Other books, though, we pass by because we're not yet ready to see them. And it's wonderful when we found the right book at the right time. But it's those books we pass because we're not quite ready. I believe many readers will enjoy the story, they'll have a great time with the actual adventure, but they're not quite ready to grasp the import. But I needed to write it for future generations. 
Uh, I didn't write it just for now. I also wrote it for any readers in the future who may be ready to really consider these ideas and why they're they're important. So, it's so I, yeah, I, I love the Terminator analogy. It's the first time on the show that I've ever wished we had commercials. So I could say, we'll be back. <laughs> but uh, we, we don't have that that opportunity. Yeah, you know, the, the same thing is true with libraries. I, I don't want to belabor this. I know that it was it was merely a, a, an example you're giving. But, you know, I, I, I live across from a university. I'm there all the time. Uh, when I wander through the stacks in the library, sometimes I'm looking for something. Sometimes I'm waiting for something to find me. And it's always interesting what what grabs you and, and, and you know, these whether it's a new book or an old book, just on the shelf, you've walked by it a million times and you never noticed it. And this time you grab it or it grabs you, but, you know, more accurately. So exactly. this, this deeper teaching, is there a way that you could share with us to, to do that regular, I don't know what you want to call it, entering into, dipping into, shifting from um, the relative to the absolute or the conventional to this other way of, of experiencing. Is there something that people could, could learn on the radio in a sense and, and start to integrate into their lives? I wish there were, I wish I could say a few words that would just allow people to leap into the transcendent. It's as if we're walking uh, at the foot of a mountain in the, in the low foothills, looking down in the weeds at, at some creatures uh, moving around in, in the weeds. And suddenly though, we find ourselves transported to the very peak of the mountain, to an incredible panorama, since everything looks better from a distance. Uh, we describe, most people describe that as beautiful looking in the distance. But it's like that. It is a shift of attention. It's a remembrance. Just to remember that it exists. There is a bigger picture of life. Now, many people don't believe in the transcendent. And yet, what is religion for? What is, what is spiritual practice for? Um, people who've taken psychotropic substances or done a great deal of meditation or fasting or chanting or the various methods uh, to get there, to get a glimpse of the transcendent. And I've had it a number of times. Um, so it's real to me. And it's, it feels more real than anything I've ever done. And it allows me to play a little more in the conventional world. Um, that's why I say less stress and more ease because it, we start to realize life is a game that we play as if it matters. So how important, so I've got a couple questions around this, but I'd like your reference to remember, to remembering. You know, in the Sufi tradition, there's the practice of zikr, which comes, which is mm -hmm. the you know, Arabic remembering yes. or, or remember. Is it, sometimes I get the feeling that it is enough to remember, and, and, and I mean that in a deep way, not just to recollect, but to actually remember, to, to put back together these two worlds or these two dimensions you're talking about, to just by remembering this other dimension, my, my sense is, and you can, let me just make it personal, you can comment. So my sense is that just by remembering this uh, larger dimension, the, the, what the Buddhists call the absolute, just by remembering that, it transforms my experience of the relative. And just recalling it is is a powerful thing to do. Well, it is. It it certainly is. Um, the, the way I would describe it, recognizing, like recognizing mm -hmm. or recognizing um, the world we live in. And, and in fact, you know, many people have told me, I mean, 
The subtitle of Way of the Peaceful Warrior, my first book, is a book that changes lives. And that sounds presumptuous. Um, and my publisher had thought about subtitle. I didn't name it that. But it was because he'd been receiving, for the, the earlier version of it, um, before he republished it, so many letters saying the same thing. This book changed my life. This book changed my life. And I ask people, what do you mean by that? And often it comes back to a change of perspective, an expanded perspective. Mm-hmm. And we need these kinds of reminders. I often remind people that all I can do is offer reminders and perspectives um, about what people already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. Um, some people are familiar with the term lucid dreaming, where we awaken within the dream at night and we realize we're dreaming. So we have agency then, and we can play in the dream in a different way than if it's just happening to us. So in the same way, I suggest there is a form of lucid waking, where during our day, we can awaken to the world in its simplicity and its mystery. Um, by contemplating some of these bigger questions. So it's not a technique, a mystical technique necessarily, though people can get a glimpse through various means uh, in the spiritual traditions, um, and including in, in religion, people singing together in chorus. Um, there are ways, even athletes have reported mystical experiences of oneness uh, in the absorption of, of sport. So it's accessible in, in many different ways. But these reminders, ways to understand our lives uh, in a more relaxed, expanded way, I think is important. Uh, That's why I focused on that and chose that particular topic through these four areas, time, free will, separate self, and death. And as you know, in the book, I encounter death in several forms. Because, you know, the last I looked, the mortality rate's holding steady at 100%. And I I think we need to uh, contemplate that in order to fully appreciate our life. And if you were to ask me, what's the one big plus, the value added in the hidden school? It would be, I believe, readers, whether they immediately recognize it or not, will have a refreshed appreciation for the unique and rare opportunity to be born as a human being on planet Earth. Well, I got to tell you, Dan, I I think, and I was going to ask you this, we are just about out of time. I was going to ask you about the importance of a teacher, but I think, I mean, you are a teacher, and I think through the books, people can, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but meet their guru in a sense, and, and have through your experience, their own experience of this deeper reality, the hidden, you know, the hidden teachings from the hidden school. And I really appreciate the focus on remembering, because I think that's a practice uh, that, that people can do without going through a lot of the, the rigorous training and, and other, other traditions that other traditions demand. And I, I, writing this for now and writing this for you know, future generations, the whole series of books, actually, is, is a real gift to, to well, all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Rami. We've all touched the numinous at different moments in our life. Uh, so we, we can, it's like learning to relax deeply. You can more easily return to that space once you have, you know where it is. So we all have that capacity. Um, and I hope that my writings help people. Um, all three books, the, the Way of the Peaceful Warrior, The Sacred Journey, and the newest, The Hidden School, I believe uh, will help people 
to go to that place and thereby enrich the scope of their life. Well, I think there's no doubt about that, Dan. So I'm going to have to wrap this up. Our guest today was Dan Millman, whose new book is The Hidden School, Return of the Peaceful Warrior. Al-Matasi's interview with Dan appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. And you can learn more about Dan's work at his website, uh, peacefulwarrior.com. So Dan Millman, thanks so much for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Rami. My pleasure. Thanks. Support for Essential Conversations is brought to you by Tarcher Peregrine, publisher of Life Lessons, the new book of affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. You can buy Life Lessons wherever books are sold. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.